You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore news and information. Now, ice up, hon. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. Uh, we are here today on our first, very, very first episode. Actually, this is going to be episode zero um, as we test things out. But we're here with Daniel. Hello. And we're here with Kyle. Hey, guys. And we are here with me, Matthew. Hello. All right, guys. Well, I guess let's let's dive right up into it uh, and start talking a little bit about uh, training camp. Um, or, or, excuse me, uh, OTAs and uh, the mandatory mini camp. Um, what are some of the things you guys noticed uh, at, at the mini camps? Go ahead, Kyle. All right. Uh, first off, I did notice that Nick Boyle made more noise than Max Williams did, and that was very surprising as he was the fifth-round draft pick from Delaware, and after we traded up to grab Max Williams in the second, I was expecting even more because he was the top prospect for the tight end group for 2014-2015, uh, and with Nick Boyle making more noise than Max Williams, I don't know if it's because Max was finally keeping quiet and just trying to stick to the program itself. But Nick Boyle sounded like he was doing excellent, and that's good because with Dennis Pitta being out indefinitely with his second hip injury, uh, we're just going to look to Crockett Gilmore and hope that Max and Nick Boyle progress well in becoming NFL tight ends. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, I'm actually I'm over, I'm so over the Dennis Pitta drama. I mean, if he plays, he plays. It's great. If he doesn't, like I'm not really crying about it, and. Uh, you know, maybe Joe Flacco will be trying crawling into his man cave and eating chicken nuggets for all I know. But I'm happy that Nick Boyle is making noise. You know, he has big. Sh- yeah, yeah. Stuff, I mean, but. the the Ravens definitely went out this off season and tried to address that. Uh, you know, with with Dennis Pitta being unsure if he's ever going to be able to come back. I mean, obviously, one hip injury is you know career threatening. A second one is just as career threatening, if not even a little bit more. Uh, the Ravens did go out, and, and they had Crockett Gilmore last year uh, as a little bit of an insurance policy. They had uh, you know, Owen Daniels, who, yes. who left for Denver. Um, but, yeah, they, they went out, and they got uh, Nick Boyle, and they, they got Max Williams. And you could definitely tell that they plan on making them a part of the game in some fashion. Uh, I think some of the biggest news that came out about Nick Boyle was more or less that he was expected to be just like an additional blocker, uh, especially in what the Ravens like to do in, in a big running scheme. Um, use him as an additional blocker, almost as an extra tackle, and he showed some hands uh, out there at, at minicamp. And uh, that was what I think surprised everyone a little bit. Uh, in, in seeing Max Williams, what kind of shocked me a little bit about him was that he is far more quiet and reserved than I kind of figured he would be. I mean, you got the tattoos, you got that, uh, you know, big figure. You, you kind of figure he's going to be a little bit more in your face, like a Jeremy Shockey type of guy. And uh, in talking to him, he is—he's very quiet, very reserved, very uh, almost shy, really? almost. And uh, yeah, wow. yeah, it was—it was a little weird. I definitely got the uh, the opposite vibe off of him, which. You know, it was a good thing. It kind of means he can turn it on when he needs to. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, the first thing you said with Dennis and his hip injuries, this was a non-contact one. He, was, he caught the ball, turned around to start running upfield, and he just collapsed. 
and this is All going right. to be something serious. And like Daniel said, I, I'm also over it. I'm okay with him being done. I'm okay with him not being done. I just want to know what's going on. I just want to see it finally play out and say, hey, like if you can't come back from this, which we all understand, like, yeah, we gave you a huge contract because we didn't expect right. your hip to dislocate. Like, it's going to be okay if you just not play NFL anymore, not play in the NFL anymore, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's heartbroken for Pitta. Um, you know, it, the first time going down, you could tell that a, a good portion of that is uh, wasn't pain on his face. I mean, it obviously was, but it was disappointment. Yes. Uh, the second time, it was even more so. I mean, again, you, you know it's pain. You know it hurts. Um, I mean, anyone who's who's hurt themselves at all know, knows that type of stuff hurts. Definitely. Uh, much less a hip. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it, you could tell he was just disappointed. He wanted to be out there playing. He wanted to be a part of a, a team that, you know, I, I think most people, uh, especially the players and the coaches, think that this is a special team. Um, and not being on the field, I'm sure, kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, I, I know all Ravens fans are, are kind of heartbroken for Pitta, and they, they wish him the best regardless of if he does play football or not. But, yeah, I, it would be nice to kind of get some feedback on yeah, he's probably not going to be showing up this year, and he's probably going to be cut next year. Yep. Yeah, what bums me out even more is that after Pitta left, Owen Daniels stepped into the role, and... You know, he's he was turning it up. He he finished, you know, third in the uh on the team with in uh receiving yards with yep. you know, and uh he left. So <laughs> I was pretty bummed out about that. Oh so. man. Yeah, it sucked. I was thinking about driving down to Denver and waiting with a sign for Kubiak <laughs> and Owen Daniels at CIA to say, Please stay in Baltimore. I, I almost did it. I was I was just I was six hour drive away from doing it. <laughs> if I had the gas money, I would have. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, a lot of people actually kind of ragged on uh, both Kubiak and uh, Owen Daniels this off season for for making that switch. And I, you know, it, I think I guess what what pisses most people off is the fact that Kubiak said that he he thought this was a special team and he wanted to stay here. But yep. you know, how can you turn down a more money? How can you turn down uh, a, a bigger job? And then how can you turn down working with Peyton Manning? I mean, he, he might be a noodle arm come January, but you know, it, you're working with a Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best ever in the game. Top three. Um, you know, as as a former offensive coordinator, I mean, I'd imagine that would be anybody's dream. Well, unless apparently they're trying to trade him, which has been the rumor lately. But uh, and then Owen Daniels. Owen Daniels has followed uh, poor Kubiak around his entire career, so uh, he probably felt like he didn't have any job security unless it's in, in under Kubiak. <laughs> yeah, apparently. All right, well, it's, um, well, it's, uh, Kubiak's yeah. loss. Yep, yeah. it is Kubiak's <laughs> loss. loss. It's it's going to be Kubiak's loss. Right now, the, so uh, yeah. What what are some of the other things you guys are are noticing out of the uh, mini camp? I mean, anything uh, out of the wide receivers or the corners? Um, what's what's the kid's name that is just uh, Steve Smith was talking about him. It was it was his favorite uh, player, DeAndre Carter yes. said he had a little bit of Randall Cobb in him. Yeah, and he's like he didn't drop a single ball throughout. I think the entirety of it, besides day one, maybe. And Steve Smith's praising him, and I, like not like just like the whole Max Williams thing, like and Nick Boyle. We drafted Prashad Perryman in the first round and this kid comes out of nowhere and is lighting it up, just lighting it up. And Steve Smith's giving him praise. And so's uh Webb. Webb was giving him some too saying that he's just playing great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from what I saw out there at uh, many camps and OTAs, 
Uh, Carter is is a small guy, so of course Steve Smith's gonna you know gonna kind of be with him a little bit as a smaller guy. And, and same thing with Ladarius Webb. You don't expect a lot out of a smaller wide receiver um, or, or you know a smaller player at all anymore in football. Yeah. And those two, uh, I'm sure it kind of strikes a chord with them. But uh, no, Car- Carter looked fast. Uh, he looked very agile. He looked like he could be a guy that, you know, the Ravens might want to go ahead and, and keep on the team and, and hope he develops even further uh, as a playmaker. And, and, you know, they can use him in a lot of different ways, whether it be the red zone, whether it be short yarded situations, whether it maybe be something like a screen. Yeah. Um, he has that type of agility to him that, yeah, he, he could be a dangerous weapon uh, on a lot of different levels if the Ravens use him properly and he continues to uh, – to take it from no pads to pads and then into uh, you know full contact during preseason. Absolutely. Um, another guy that was uh, got a lot of praise this uh, off season was Jeremy Butler, a guy that was you know relatively just unknown. He he didn't do a whole lot for the Ravens last year, and uh, yeah, he was just you know sparking it up this uh, off season, just catching everything. Uh, showing that he's a big-bodied wide receiver and he's got some speed to him. So uh, it, it's definitely an interesting uh, uh, wide receiver battle coming out this year. Which is good to hear because we've been scraping the bottom of the barrel with other teams in free agencies since the existence, apparently, of in 96 for the Ravens. What do you mean about T.J. Hushman's up? <laughs> <laughs> Derek Mason, Anquan Bolden, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Lee Evans. Oh, oh. Yeah, we don't mention that name anymore, do we? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's it has been interesting watching them. Uh, that that was the one thing that I really did focus in on uh, during minicamp with me being out there is what type of chemistry do these guys have with Flacco and, uh, you know, are they able to stay consistent? And one thing we've heard over uh, over the last few years from John Harbaugh is, can these guys stack plays? Can they stack days? Can they stack games? Um, and what ultimately that means is, can you be consistent from day to day to week to week to month to month to year to year? Yes. Uh, and we've seen a little bit of the opposite of that from Marlon Brown, uh, you know, over the last year and then now into this off season with just some drops and just disappearing out of the game. I mean. Uh, I mean, what what do you guys think happens to him? Personally, I I love Marlon Brown. I'm on the same I, I'm on the same page with that. I watched him play. Uh, I think it was his first preseason game against the Panthers, maybe two years ago. Um, and I you know I saw chemistry with him and Flacco. Flacco would just dart it you know into the end zone. Um, <clears throat> I just felt there was a strong connection there, and uh, you could just see it on TV. And um, he's six five, as tall as what Calvin Johnson is. Uh, yeah. Maybe not as heavy, but you know, he. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I don't know. I just really like my. I wish. I hope he stays on the team. I think he has a huge ceiling, and he has complete potential to do something with it. He's huge. Like you said, he's 6'5". He tied the rookie receiving touchdown record, when uh, obviously for his rookie year, and with uh, Torrey Smith. And he was good like against the Vikings when we won it with, what, five seconds left in his oh, rookie God. season? He Snowball. fell it. Yeah, he put both feet into the end zone right 
in the back of the end zone, right there. He's good enough yeah. to do something, and I think he's he needs to be more prevalent in this offense because he is a huge red zone threat. Being that to, add that to add to that, Mark Trestman likes big bodied receivers. You know, absolutely. He, he liked Alshon Jeffries up there. You know, as tall as not maybe not as tall as six five, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. It, with the Ravens having so many big body wide receivers, I mean they they've got uh, you know Jeremy Butler, they've got uh, you know Marlon Brown, they've got Brashad Perryman, um, they've got some big guys, some big physical guys. I, I don't know how much Marlon Brown really fits into the offense anymore. It seems like he he really needs to do something to to kind of stand out a little bit. And obviously he had that great rookie year, but. You know, I mean, even in that rookie year, he disappeared from week to week, which is understandable yeah. out of a rookie, even understandable out of a second-year guy. But, um, you know, wh- when you're challenging Jacoby Jones for a job uh, and neither of you are seeing the field, you know, it, it, it becomes a problem. And especially when the Ravens went out and they've gotten some big-bodied wide receivers this year, and they all seem to be stacking those games or, or those practices up, and we're not hearing the same thing out of Marlon Brown. And, and honestly, I, I, I kind of just missed him completely during, uh, uh, you know, during camp. He, he was just non-existent as far as I saw. I mean, he had a few catches, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, so, you know, do, do you guys think that maybe he, he has, obviously he has that high ceiling, but do you think maybe he isn't going to be able to hit it or that he's going to be bypassed by one of these younger kids that uh, is putting something up in their rookie years? I think he won't be on the Ravens squad by next year, but I wish he was. Yes, I wish he would stay with us, but unless he does something, like Matt said, that really helps him stand out, then we won't be seeing Marlon Brown in a Ravens uniform. Brashad's faster than him, and he was drafted first, whereas Marlon was undrafted, last I remember. And I don't think... Yeah, and he just won't be there, like... He doesn't have more speed. He doesn't have better hands, as far as we know. I don't think, unless he changes something drastically, we won't see him in a Ravens uniform by next season. I mean, I know it's on your schedule later, right, Matt? We're going to talk about the uh, receivers' projected uh, starters, right, later for the depth yeah. chart? Actually, you know what? Let's just dive straight into it. And what, what do we think <laughs> that... What, what do we expect the uh, you know the depth chart to look look like for the wide receivers? I, I got Perryman. How frustrating! Mm-hmm. Uh, go, go ahead, Carl. Yeah, I, I see Perryman as as a wide receiver one, Smith as a number two, or even three as he's in the slot. It depends on where he's placed, and then I don't know enough on our our depth yet to uh, to go from there. Aiken, Aiken, yeah, Aiken would be three. I have Aiken as the three, but that's all I've got right now. We have Darren Waller. Uh, We have Cam Worthy. I think Aldrick Robinson's hurt, right? And then... Oh, what was that? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I was saying we have Darren Waller, we have Cam Worthy. Aldrick Robinson's uh, hurt, I believe. And, um, yeah, he's out until training camp. Him and Michael Campanero are both uh, pretty much out until camp. And then we have rookie Daniel Brown from James Madison. Uh, don't know really much about him. And then DeAndre, DeAndre Carter, who we were talking about just minutes ago. 
just to add a little funny tidbit about DeAndre Carter, he uh, majored in communications at uh, Sacramento State. So maybe, perhaps in his career, we <laughs> can add it to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully he does do well. As much as I'd love to go ahead and you know have a football player on here, that would uh, that'd be great. Uh, you know, I'd much rather see him go ahead and and do well on the Ravens. Uh, you know, both for him and and for the Ra- for the Ravens and for myself. If I'm honest, I you know I rub it in the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Um, but yeah, I, I you know everybody keeps saying that Brashad Perryman should be the number one, and I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, obviously we haven't seen a lot out of him. Um, only being through the the OTAs and a little bit of uh, camp that we've seen, but um, you know I, I I think he's kind of a, a of a one trick pony in this first year uh, until he's able to kind of grow into his body a little bit more and, and figure out where things are. Um, you know, obviously he he came into the NFL with a little case of the drops. Uh, you know, Ozzie Newsom said that he he figured that was going to be you know washed out of him. That was not going to be a big deal. Uh, even Perryman kind of figured the same thing that he he was going to go ahead and make people pay for thinking that, uh, but yet oddly enough in OTAs and a little bit in minicamp we saw some of the drops happen. Now he he did redeem himself, uh, and we've seen some spectacular catches out of him. But uh, you know for for what it is, he he's a straight line speed guy, much in the way that Torrey Smith he runs is, a and uh, forty yard dash. Just let you know. I, I mean that's that's insane speed and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if maybe they go ahead and throw him in different packages. Maybe try to use him in the seam a little bit. Use him as an outside receiver. Maybe even try to push him into the middle of the field, being that he's so big. Um, but but I don't know if they go ahead and necessarily uh, put him as number one. I, I think Steve Smith is the guy that has the most chemistry with Flacco. Obviously, is the the oldest uh, you know wide receiver on the team. Um, but, you know, guys like Kamar Aiken, uh, even Marlon Brown, for that matter, have all kind of proven a little bit more than what uh, Perryman has so far. And it'll be interesting to see where they kind of place him on the depth chart. And obviously, none of this really matters because the the, the offense is going to go ahead and throw different packages out there, double tight end sets. You know, we might even see spread offense this year. Right. Who knows? Uh, for Mark Trestman. So, um so I, you know, I think maybe this is the year where depth chart doesn't matter as much, and it's just uh, what packages Trestman decides to throw out there. Well, just to add to the Perriman's draft profile on NFL.com says that he is raw in his routes, and he relies on his speed and athleticism over any precision, and that he rounds his routes and is inconsistent at selling and finishing his routes. Um, that don't involve him as a primary target. So when he knows he's not getting the ball, he might take a few plays off. That's what it says. Well, I mean, and I saw a little bit of that, uh, you know, in in many camps and, and in the uh, OTAs. He uh, he is a straight line speed guy, and he certainly does go ahead and uh, you know he rounds off his routes a little bit. He has some issues with his hands. Those. Those uh, things on his scouting report are absolutely mm-hmm. true. I, I think he is working really hard to fix those things, um, and, and we've seen you know wide receivers coach Bobby Ingram, you know, has been out there pushing him, uh, and, and I think uh, Ingram really does see uh, Perryman in, in a uh, you know number one receiver type right. of mold. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think it takes him a little bit to get there, and I, I, 
we've covered it before on the site, but I don't necessarily think that's a problem. Um, I, I'd rather it, I'd rather you go slow with with a guy like Perryman, let his get his uh, feet back underneath of him, and uh, kind of learn the the pro game, and you know he'll figure yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, moving on from the wide receivers, um, do we think that the Ravens add any more veterans to this team? I mean, obviously we're, we're at the 90-man roster, um, but there might be some weird salary cap cuts uh, coming up soon. You know, the post-July, uh, uh, yeah, July or June 1st cuts might end up happening soon um, to where, you know, some of the guys might be available, and those guys are... Uh, you know, your Steve Smiths, your Elvis Stumervilles. Do we see any of that happening uh, this offseason? Um, glad you asked. <laughs> I think you know my answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> the double dub, <laughs> the double dubs. Yeah. Uh, we, I call them double dubs, uh, <laughs> dub dubs. We call him Wes Welker. <laughs> He's still not signed. Um, and my stand, you know, I still, my stand is still firm. Uh, we, I think he deserves a look, and um, I know the readership wasn't okay with that. But uh, you know, you know, I'm I'm with you on Welker, and and the reason why is because a he's going to come dirt cheap, and and granted he's had the concussion sure. history. His wife has made some negative comments about Baltimore, but you know what? At the end of the day, any coach, any any general manager, their job is to put a winning field or a winning team right. on the field. And with Welker, if you can get him even in training camp, hey, if you cut him, you cut him. What's that going to cost you? A very minimal amount of money. And if you don't cut him and it turns out that he ends up, you know, being a really good player for you right, for a right. year or two, maybe he's the difference. Um, but, yeah, you know, <laughs> I think fans got a little uh, little, little antsy about that when that was originally brought up. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I, I, I agree with what they're saying, but... I mean, we just we signed Steve Smith last year. I mean, I get that he embodies the you know Ravens, you know style of play. And but did they forget that he was 35 last year? And you know, Wes Welker is only 34 right now. So um, I've prepared for you, Matt, to answer this question. I prepared some notes. Wes Welker <laughs> is a five-time Pro Bowler. He re- he led the NFL three times in receptions. 2007, 2009, and 2011. Uh, <laughs> he was the all-time career leader in receptions for the Patriots. Um, and honestly, Steve Smith and Wes Welker on one team—it's—is that not a respectable duo? <laughs> and I—I uh, <laughs> I would say it would be one of the older duos that, that the NFL could right. have. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of go back and forth on it with, with Welker. Obviously, he has the accolades. Uh, playing with Tom Brady, you're going to have the accolades. Um, All right. I have... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I go back and forth. Hold on. Well, I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> oh, man, man. Give me a second. Uh, okay, here, I have a trivia question for you. Who was the offensive right. coordinator for the 2002 Oakland Raiders? 2000, uh, Al Davis? Uh, yeah. well, I mean, he made every other decision for that team. Uh, man, the 2002 Oakland Raiders. And I'm not going to Google this okay. while we're doing okay. this. Um, I'll give you I don't know. I don't options. know. How about that? 
All right. <laughs> Hold on. We're going with uh, A, Bill Callahan, B, Kyle Shanahan, or C, Mark Tressman. You know, I'm, I I kind of feel like I need to say Callahan. Um, I, I remember his name being around that that team, and it feels like it was about that time. Man, 2002 was, was a long actually, time ago. That, um, no, that it was, was Callahan? Answer. That was a trick question. Oh, <laughs> man. The correct answer to that is Mark Tressman. He was the offensive coordinator oh. for the 2002. Uh, they got to the Super Bowl that year. They finished the AFC West. They finished 11-5. and five. And I will tell you, you will be surprised. Who were the two wide receivers on the team when they got to the Super Bowl? Oh, wow. Um, Is there any way to get Kyle back on for this? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying Let's to add him Let's get him on before, we, uh, before I unravel. They, uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me one second. Let's see what we got here. All right, we're dialing him back up. We lost Kyle for a minute. The suspense is built, right? He's back. Oh, uh, you're back. Kyle All right, B. Kyle. KB's back. <laughs> Kyle, I have some, uh, I have some uh, interesting tidbits that you can't miss. Ready? Okay, I am more than welcome. We're to discussing. We were discussing uh, what veterans, free agents, uh, uh, did, who deserve a look, and I mentioned uh, Wes Welker. And uh, no. I was listing the facts. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, <laughs> Hold on child. <laughs> I, we have a five-time Pro Bowler in Wes Welker. He led the NFL receptions three times, 2007, 2009, and 2011. He's the all-time career leaders in receptions for the Patriots. And uh, I asked Matt, is Steve Smith and Wes Welker on one team? Is that, is that not respectable? I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Why do you think that's because a terrible Steve idea, Smith Kyle? Get eh? Into that, like he will try and tear his like Wes Welker's already mushed brain <laughs> into shreds, and you know that's true oh, because you know, Wes Welker has a specific helmet designed for his skull from the amount of concussions he has already done. If Joe Flacco hits him one more time over the middle and catches whoever Steeler linebacker it is, whether it be Shazier or Jarvis Jones, and knocks him out one more time on the field, I think we might see the first NFL death in, like, real time. I am terrified of seeing Wes Welker on an NFL field. He is a great player, but I don't want to see that man get another concussion. I have nothing against his play. Oh, that's a, but, that's a valid, valid... Yeah, that's a good yes. point. I was asking Matt, or I don't know if you know this, Cal... Who was the offensive coordinator for the two, 2002 Oakland Raiders? Uh, is it Tressman? Yes, it's Mark Tressman. Ah, phenom- phenomenal guess, guess right there. <laughs> phenomenal. They were they finished 11 and five that season, and um, they got to the Super Bowl. And you know yes. who they lost Stop. to? They got spanked by the Bucks. Do you know who the two wide receivers were that started on that team on the Oakland Raiders? I don't. I feel like it's Tim Brown. And he was 36 years old. Holy cow. And I, I, I don't think it was Jerry Rice. I don't think Rice Jerry was Rice. there yet. 
was 40 years old. He finished that season with 92 receptions and about 1,200 yards with nine touchdowns. I'm so why awesome. can we not? Why can Trustman not bring Wes Welker on board? But see, he, here, here's the difference, Daniel. I, I think I think that's it's partially that, but it's also partially going back to you know Oakland. Um, had, the difference was Jerry Rice was was Jerry yeah. Rice. I mean that's <laughs> there's there, no one's going to be as good as Jerry Rice, especially at forty. Um, but e- even Tim Brown, I mean Tim Brown was a, a phenomenal wide receiver throughout Hall his entire fame. career. I, I don't know if he is in the uh, Hall of Fame, but I believe his numbers are are, are close right. to that. Um, you know, Welker is a good wide receiver, and he was good for what he did. Um, could the Ravens use him? I, I, I kind of go with you on that one, Daniel, And that if he clears out medically, and that's a big if, um, you know, I, I feel like it would be a, a, no money to go ahead and have a guy come out there and at least try to make the Treat team. If he like doesn't, then hey. Like- exactly, exactly, you know, and uh, – but but I also kind of agree with you, Kyle. I'd, I'd prefer to not see him over the middle. Um, maybe he can, you know, like carry the water back and I, forth uh, or something. I, I don't know. I had a specially designed helmet in uh, ninth grade when I played football. Because, uh, and, and look where... I wouldn't go saying that too much. <laughs> look where I'm at now. I, was, uh, I, had a, I had a tearing retina behind my eyes, <laughs> and so they gave oh, me an wow. NFL helmet. There you uh, go. Also, Tim Brown is, crazy. Uh, was elected into the Hall of Fame this year. For the was. Year. Yep. Okay, I, I yep. thought he was. I thought he was. It took five years but, to get uh, in there, but he did. Yep. Does um. But even still, I mean, that, that's two Hall of Fame wide receivers on that team. That's that's impressive. Those Raiders in teams right, were, they were nothing old. to scoff at. If Wes they Welker had made that catch in the Super Bowl against the Giants, I know you guys would be saying something differently. I, no, I no. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Daniel. It's it's tough because, like I said, I go back and forth on it. I, I really do. I, but I don't know. I mean, we've got so many good wide receivers on the Ravens right, right now. I, I mean, I, I don't know who we cut now, much less who we would if we start adding two or three more players to that to that sure, group. Sure. I mean, where we might need the uh, to bolster up the lineup is maybe a little bit in safety, maybe a cornerback. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the Ravens feel with their outside linebackers in terms of their depth, but, you know, I, I'd imagine they feel pretty good. But, uh, I mean, what, what do you think, Kyle? Do you think that the Ravens add any other veterans to this team this offseason? I don't see it happening. I, I really think we're pretty good where we're at. We have good depth. Like Dean Pease says, you can never have enough cornerbacks and for camp. You can't. And we already have added, um, what, Kyle Arrington. We got uh, Rashawn Melvin. Webb's back. We got Jimmy Smith back, and I know we got a couple others. Um, yes, that's who it was. And I think we'll have yeah. great competition with that, and as the Jacksons too. But uh, I don't think we need any depth, especially in the wide receiver slot. We don't need any more slot receivers. We have a good amount of our small receivers, as well as we do have the big-bodied ones, like we were mentioning earlier. I don't think we need wide receivers. I don't. Let alone Wes Welker. He Please, he's no more played, wide receivers. He's played for okay. two of the top five quarterbacks in NFL history. His <laughs> stats are going to look pretty. I don't get me wrong. And well, he played alongside it, Randy Moss, too. So. Yeah. We, we can make that three, Kyle. Three of the top quarterbacks in the Ryan league. Manning, 
<laughs> yeah, we can make it three, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, three of top five all time. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I I feel like if there's a player that comes out there that that obviously warrants the money, um, th- there's nobody out there right now that I think the Ravens would bite on um, from a bringing in to, to kind of bolster anything type of uh, arrangement. But you know. It, Every time right around this year, there's always that one guy that kind of gets released, whether it be because of salary cap, whether it be because of a fax snafu, um, that, you know, the the Ravens end up picking up uh, and and ends up becoming a a major player. Rodgers is on on the market. I think our signing already happened. Yeah. I think Arrington was the one that we should be happening now, but we got it earlier. Arrington's the guy. I kind of, I I could kind of agree with that. I mean, I, I, the Ravens did add a lot this off season quietly. Um, there were no you know big names. There was no Mike Wallace added to the team, and and a lot of analysts will make a you know a ton of points about the Ravens losing uh, Pernell McPhee, uh, about losing Haloti Nana and, and Torrey Smith. But the Ravens the Ravens had a lot of depth already. They're just pushing those guys up to the uh, starting quality, and it looks like they've kind of refilled some of that depth both through the draft and, and picking up guys like Kyle Arrington and, and stuff through the uh, through free agency. So, you know, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting over the next month until training camp starts to see if, you know, if anyone does come back or, or does come in. Um, and then obviously, you know, hopefully knock on wood, uh, there's no injuries to where the Ravens need to sign Absolutely. anyone. Uh, the last thing we need to see is another practice squad uh, cornerback out there. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I would take Vic. I would take Vic over Schaub in a heartbeat. I, I wrote about this. I wrote about this. I talked about it, and uh, and people thought I was nuts. But, no, Tyrod Taylor was a great backup quarterback. I'll go all the way back to this. Why? Because players we faced – uh, in maybe a Super Bowl by chance, were very mobile quarterbacks. And Tyrod Taylor was perfect for combating and practicing against a mobile quarterback. This year, we're going up against Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson, both very good mobile quarterbacks. And Michael Vick is there to would be able to emulate playing against him instead of having Matt Schaub throw pick sixes to our linebackers. I don't know, Kyle. Going back to the Wes Welker thing, because of course that's going to be a recurring theme today, apparently. Um, Michael Vick has had so many concussions, had has had so many injuries because he's been a, a running right. quarterback. I, I don't know if he could play anymore. I mean, he probably creeps I'm not when he walks. To play. I'm not asking him to play. <laughs> I'm asking him to be the backup quarterback to Joseph Flacco and to practice how how Wilson runs to practice how Colin Kaepernick plays to play against that because Tyrod Taylor was getting extensively used during those two weeks after the AFC championship towards the Super Bowl. And that's how we combated against the, uh, the, uh, the running style that Frank Gore and Colin Kaepernick used. That's why Terrell Suggs, no matter what was, was biting on it and going after, after Colin Kaepernick, every single play that they ran on that option read against us. And I think a mobile quarterback can I, practice that, and we can defend it better. One thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that Schaub is actually a pretty mobile quarterback. Um, you know, obviously Michael Vick is kind of known for being the the prototype uh, of a mobile quarterback, but the dude's thirty four. I mean, when the Jets don't re-sign you, 
I, I'm, I'm pretty sure your career's done. Um, you know, especially at quarterback. I mean, what, with Geno Smith. I mean, come on. Um, Schaub, I think, is what the Ravens wanted for for two purposes. He presents a similar type of offense to Flacco, um, to where you know clearly they can get used to that type of thing. Um, he's still a big quarterback, and even though he's been in the league for a little while himself, um, you know he he's a proven winner. He's a guy that I feel like maybe the Ravens, if Flacco again, knock on wood, were to ever go down that the Ravens feel like they could plug him in there to at least be a game manager and, uh, you know, maybe sling some balls around. Now, now, granted, out of camp so far, we've seen him sling a lot of balls to the, to the opposition. <laughs> uh, yeah, to the, to the floor, he's That's bounced. Right. You know, he, he's he's hit a few of the sides of the buildings. You know, anything but people on the field. But um, Schaub is still that type of guy. And, and, and as much as I think, you know, I, I'm not a big Schaub fan either. Uh, for when Joe goes down to get us a top five pick. That's why Matt Schaub is there. <laughs> he will make sure we get a great top five pick. Because you want to know why? He throws great pick sixes. That's Phenomenal right. at. That's true. Five weeks That's in a true. row. We've seen a lot five of pick weeks sixes. in a row. He caught the yips, and he will never come back from it. Well, you know what? That That's... It's funny because it's not the first time I've heard the term yips when referred to him. Um, and that's been, you know, both here on the staff with Baltimore Beatdown. And it was while we were kind of out at practice. Um, you know, it, some of the people might – I'm not going to release any names, obviously. But uh, yeah, it, the word yips came up a few times. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, even even Coach Harbaugh had to say, you know, man, come on. Every time you guys are here, he throws an interception. Well, look, Coach, if we're here two out of three times and he's throwing interceptions, that's still a lot of interceptions. I, I, it's not us that's doing it. I'm not going over there and slapping Schaub, you know, Schaub's hand or anything. He's throwing picks. I don't care why. If he can't do it in front of you know, 15, 20 writers, he sure as hell ain't going to be able to do it in front of 10,000 people that are cheering for him to not exactly. win. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Again, Schaub's one of those guys that I, I kind of go back and forth on. I see why the Ravens might have signed him, um, but what I've seen out of him so far has not been impressive. Uh, but the Ravens do have a few camp arms. Um, so, you know, to, to your point, Kyle, about guys being able to kind of be mobile and, and run around a little bit, the Ravens have a few of those guys already, and, and I'm sure if – if and when the Ravens make it to the Super Bowl, if they do face off against a you know a, a Seattle, um, you could be sure that they're going to go ahead and bring someone in who is mobile, who they can practice that type of stuff against, uh, more so than the, than a guy like Michael Vick. And I'm not even sure Michael Vick would kind of want to come to Baltimore because he, he'd never get a chance and he would know it. Uh, you know, I'm sure his home would would rather be like with the Jets, where he'll probably start week two. I, I can see that point. I get it. All right, guys. Well, let's let's jump on to uh, Jerome Bettis, Week Four. The Steelers are going to go ahead and honor him with a quote unquote ring ceremony. Uh, I, I don't know what that entirely means. I don't know if they're going to give him a ring. Uh, I don't know if they're going to put him in their It'll ring the of honor, honor type of thing. I, that's what I'm imagining. But uh, the Steelers make really no mention of it. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to go with like the weird illusion that they're actually going to hand him a <laughs> ring and it's just going to be that. Because that's funnier in my head. But, um, yeah, week four, it's, it's a primetime game. 
It's Steelers. It's Ravens. They did it last year with Mean Joe Green. Uh, now they're doing it with Jerome Bettis. Is it just me, or does it feel like the Steelers kind of need that edge, or they, at least they feel like they need that edge when they could be doing it any other time during that year? Anyone want to take that bait? I'll take it if Daniel doesn't. No, I mean, it's a marquee <laughs> matchup on a Thursday night. I mean, go ahead, Dad. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, like, not only is it a Thursday night primetime game, no other teams are playing but us, and one of the biggest NFL rivalries, and you you need something to push it over. You need something to put it into your favor, and nothing is better than a Hall of Fame running back, or soon-to-be, uh, than honoring him at your stadium in a primetime game and having your players say, hey, don't blow it. Because I don't know, though. I mean, why, why not do it week one when you're facing off against the Patriots? Why, why not do it, uh, you know, any other time in the year? Obviously, I understand Ravens-Steelers. It's, it's a huge matchup, I, I, and that's exactly what I think. And no one will, will, will bite on that bullet, um, but honestly, it, it feels that way. It feels like that they, they, they need to do something while at home, in order to get that edge. Well, they're definitely scared. They need... It's a it's a division game. I'm sure they want to... They told Bettis, they called him up and said, hey, we'd love to retire you uh, week one, but uh, we need the edge against... We need the crowd, you know, when the Ravens get here. Yeah. I mean, either way, it would be nice to kind of go into Pittsburgh watch that halftime ceremony, and then have Justin Forsett run all Absolutely. over the Steelers. Just just to kind of seal the deal a little bit, you know, and have Le'Veon Bell, it's his first week back yeah. from suspension, barring, a, a, you know, any any weird, uh, you know, turn of sure. events there. I'm going to add... You know, have him go ahead and rush for five yards on the on the game <laughs> would be fantastic. It would it would certainly make Ravens yeah. fans Here we big. go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be even more bold. I, the, the Steelers could be... They could start the season 0-3. Wow. I, I you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree they, with you there. I mean, obviously, they, they face off against the Brady list. Fox for all oh, week right? one. Brady, Brady list. Right. I know, but I'm saying anything can happen well, week it, one. It's opening weekend. Who knows about the Brady list Patriots? I mean, obviously, they, he, he went ahead and had his arbitration uh, yesterday, I believe. Who, who knows on that? Brady might be back week one. Games. I, I, I'm... Excuse me. I'm sure that there's going to be some level of something there because the NFL needs to save face to a certain degree. But uh, you know, who knows? And the Patriots are still the Patriots, with or without that. I mean, they had Matt Castle lead them to what a 11 win season. So, and Matt Castle has firmly not done anything since that point. I so. can testify. I was there last year when the when the Patriots were uh, in Richmond for the Redskins training camp, and I watched uh, with Jimmy. What's his last name? Garoppolo. Garoppolo. He, he's great. He's a great arm. So that's all I can say for now. <laughs> but I got to witness his greatness. I mean, he was shredding the Redskins defense in secondary. That's not saying much, but... Yeah, no, that's not. I watched him for about three no. days. Yeah. Yep. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, but I was saying they can really go... They can drop to 0-3. Uh, they play the 49ers, you know, the week two. And then against the Rams, who can pull a you know bunny out of the magic hat anytime, they uh, 
I don't don't, uh, don't sleep, sleep on, on the Rams. Rams. Yeah, no, I of all three of those the opponents, of all three of those opponents, I have the Rams beating them. Yeah, I, I, I can see the 49ers sneaking by if, if for whatever reason, now granted they've had such a terrible right, offseason, right. and I'm sure it would make 49ers fans proud. But, um, you know, they still have a quarterback that, that they got to the Super Bowl, what, twice with? I mean, that, that's, that's a feat. The guy is not a right. slouch. Um, they still have, you know, a, a decent defense. They've got Torrey Smith now. They can make some magic happen. Now, granted, that's at Pittsburgh, whereas week one and week two uh, are at the pa- – or week one and week three, excuse me, are, are at the Patriots and at the Rams. So, you know, the, the Steelers will not have home field advantage on either one of those, which – you know, could very well be the difference in both. They of those don't want to be. So, well, I mean, do they want? Do they really want to be two and one? You know, heading into week four, with a chance to be two and two, then flying over to San Diego week five. Could they? You know, you get what I'm saying. They want to. They obviously want to be three and zero, but I don't. I don't see that. Here's the thing. Here's what I would be afraid of as a Ravens fan: is them either going zero and three. Coming into week four, they're going to be hungry. It's a Thursday night wow, game. They're cool. not going to be happy about it. Or, or even losing against the Rams, you know, not being able to go that 3-0 and coming in, into, uh, you know, Pittsburgh against the Ravens. I don't know. I kind of would almost like them to cakewalk through those three teams, get a little bit ahead of steam on themselves, maybe, you know, think that they're a little bit better than they are. They get Bell back week four. He's not quite back up to par and the Ravens are able to stomp them in their own territory on a, on a Thursday night game. That would be awesome to have. But either way, it's uh, it's going to be a good game with that that uh, you know added incentive there for for the Steelers to to maybe do a little something for Jerome Bettis. That would be awesome if Le'Veon Bell fumbles the ball at the two yard line. C.J. Mosley picks up the rock, heads on over, and Ben Roethlisberger does not make the shoelace tackle to save the oh, game. Oh man. Hey, I I, I would oh take that goodness. all day. <laughs> and Jerome Bettis is over there on the sidelines, just shaking up. his head. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're well, jumping from AFC North news back into more AFC North news. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the division. Uh, obviously, Terrell Pryor. Uh, that is a cluster to begin to say what's going on there. Uh, he, he went from the Bengals as a quarterback, got cut from the Bengals, because that's the team to get cut from, <laughs> got put on the Browns, not as a quarterback, even though the Browns apparently are picking up every quarterback. If you throw a football, apparently you're on the Browns as a quarterback right now. Instead of picking up Terrell Pryor as a quarterback, they go ahead and put him at wide receiver, a position he is yet to play in the pros. Uh, if that wasn't enough, then Pryor goes ahead and shares a whole bunch of film all over Twitter from Bengals practices as if he hasn't burned enough bridges throughout his career. Let's go ahead and share what, you know, AFC North division rivals uh, are, are doing in practices. Let, let's just piss everyone off. What do you guys think about Pryor? Do you think he's going to be a better wide receiver than he was as a quarterback? I think he could be. Could. <laughs> Key word. I, I did this I did this write up for that AFC North Hub. And he is six foot five and two hundred and thirty five pounds. Des Bryant, top five wide receiver in the league, is six foot two and two hundred and eighteen. He's three inches taller and, and like twelve more pounds. 
That's a big dude. That's a big dude. All right. And if he Wild could. Colin Brown. That's 6'5. Calvin yeah. Johnson, 6'5. Right. Yeah. Terrell Pryor is huge. Okay. And if he could learn to catch footballs instead of throw them badly, uh, he would be fine. I think he could become a big number two or a red zone player, a red zone threat, like we always were talking about Marlon Brown earlier. I think he could do it. Do I think he's going to? No. Transfer, like, learning the skill set of a wide receiver uh, immediately. Like, you should have learned it six years ago and played wide receiver instead. I don't think he'll be able to learn all of it that quickly. Like, he's never, has he ever ran a slant route or a nine-step comeback or a well, regular played receiver streak? at Ohio State. Okay. I, I think one of the bigger questions surrounding that move is ha, are the Browns going to go ahead and maybe use him as a bit of a diversion? And we've seen a little bit of that trick play stuff from the Browns last season with uh, Manziel. You know, do, do maybe they go ahead and, and do a little bit of a uh, you know, comeback on that uh, or, or a um, uh, uh, I cannot think of the name now, but uh, you know, do they go ahead and hand the ball off to to Pryor, who then throws it? I mean, the guy's got an arm. Um, it would be interesting to see what happens on that level. Uh, I, I certainly think he makes the team um, for for no other reason than I don't think the Browns have fifty three good players, um, and that's that's not a knock on the Browns. I think they're actually a decent team. Um, I, I just think they're the Browns, so you know that only gets you so far. But um, you know, I, I think he makes the team, but I, I don't know if he actually plays any wide receiver outside of a few gimmick plays and, you know, stuff like that. And I, I think that may, might be the end of his career. I don't think he uh, – I don't think he cracks a roster. I don't. And and if he – I really, don't. You, you think there's 53 other players on the Browns that are better than Terrell Pryor? I mean, even just as an athlete. I would go ahead and have Terrell Pryor on the roster just to go ahead and, like, you know, hoist the tails around rather than whoever else they have as number 53 right. on their roster. Um, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's a tough one, though. It'll be interesting to kind of watch to see what happens to him because if he can crack the roster and he can make it through he the could, season yeah. and maybe he has a few games, you know, who knows? Maybe he is going to be a good wide receiver. Uh it would be interesting to see what happens to him he, uh, uh, when, when that all comes around. Person, I mean, the Browns did hire a new wide receiver coach. Uh, his name is Joker mm-hmm. Phillips, and uh, he replaces Mike McDaniel, who spent one season with the Browns. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Browns are constantly changing staff, which, you know, isn't going to help Pryor out either. Um, with, with all that shuffling around and the disorganization that has been the Browns over the past few years, if they continue to do that, especially with a guy that's that's in flux from quarterback to wide receiver, I mean that that's going to be the worst thing to his career that that could ever happen. You know, he, he's never going to get a fair shake on that. It, it's you kind of hate to see it happen. I mean, it, it's funny to happen to the Browns or the Bengals or even the Steelers because you know they're they're division rivals, but. Uh, you know, for a guy like Pryor, it seems like he really just wants to make a team, and it would suck for him to kind of get shafted because of uh, because of the Browns being the Browns. We might see some razzle dazzle with a uh, wide receivers coach, his name being Joker. So we'll see. That's true. That's true. 
Well, speaking of uh, you know jokers, um, the Bengals, because I've got to make that joke. Um, Keith Wenning, the former sixth round draft pick last year, is now a Cincinnati Bengal. Obviously, they released Terrell Pryor and then signed Keith Wenning, uh, who apparently the Ravens just did not feel confident in uh, as even a camp arm at this point, which is a little bit surprising seeing as how they spent they spent a draft pick on him last year, and typically the Ravens don't give up on draft picks that quick. But, uh, yeah, a little bit interesting that um, the, the Bengals pick him up. Do you think maybe they're going ahead and seeing what – what type of schemes we're running, or even just baseline information right now with Trespin kind of coming over? Uh, or, or do you think that that's just a camp arm for, for the Bengals? I got camp arm. I agree. I got camp arm. Okay. okay. And from what I've heard so far, because I've been reading through it, uh, they were really stressing arm strength in the Bengals camp, and the Ravens cut him, from what I also have heard, for arm strength. He didn't have enough of it which I think is kind of a, a gimmick in itself then, because if we're cutting a player for arm strength and they need a player that needs arm strength that we don't even have on our roster anymore for it, I think it's, I think it's funny. It, that is a little weird, right? I mean, it, and even for the Ravens, I mean, they, they cut them. They've got – here's who the Ravens have on their roster right now as a quarterback. They've got, obviously, Joe Flacco. They've got Matt Schaub. Uh, both of those two are veterans. They've got rookie – Jerry Lovelock, uh, who's 6'4", 248. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's a rookie out of uh, Prairie View A&M. And they've got Bryn, Bern, Bryn Bryn? Renner. Yeah. Bryn? I, he, they've got Renner. He's number two. Uh, he's 6'3", 228. He's 25. Uh, he has, uh, he's in his second year out of North Carolina. Um, you know, clearly, the Ravens aren't going to carry three wide receivers. Um, through through three camp, it seems weird that they uh, excuse me three three quarterbacks into the season. I, I apologize there. Um, three quarterbacks into the season, it seems weird that they got rid of winning at all um, over you know either one of the other quarterbacks there. And, and obviously, if it's arm strength, then yeah, I mean it makes a little bit of a, a, a confusion why the Bengals picked them up, um, given that they, they, they're kind of they're in the same boat that we are as the Ravens. Uh, they've got three or four or five now quarterbacks on their roster, uh, with Andy Dalton being the, their franchise guy, and I, I use finger quotes <laughs> there, um, with him being their the franchise buddies. guy. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a little bit weird. They seem to be kind of stacking that roster on the uh, quarterback side, maybe giving him a little bit of competition, maybe giving A.J. McCarron a little bit of competition, seeing who comes out in the end. Uh you know, I, I kind of agree with you guys that I think he's only a camp arm at this point, but uh, it is interesting to see why they would have grabbed him um, since they're they're trying to uh, get arm strength and he just doesn't Absolutely. have it. All right, well, going from that, uh, the all-AFC North team roster. We did a little bit of a write-up about this, actually. I, I was the one that uh, got a hold of it. And uh, the Ravens did exceptionally well uh, on that all-AFC North team. Uh, they went ahead and had t 10 out of the top 25 total positions uh, are, are Ravens, and that's Marshall Yonda at guard, that is Steve Smith at wide receiver, and that's it for the offense. On defense, this is where they kind of end up taking over. 
Timmy Jernigan at uh, defensive end, Elvis Doomerville at outside linebacker, Terrell Suggs at outside linebacker, C.J. Mosley at inside linebacker, Jimmy Smith at quarterback, Will Hill at safety, and then, of course, you've got uh, two parts of the Wolfpack in Justin Tucker, the kicker, and Sam Cook, uh, the punter. Um, so, yeah, 10 out of 25, I mean, that's, that's sweeping up the division all in all. Uh, I, I didn't count what other teams had, uh, what the Steelers, the Browns, and the Bengals had on there. But clearly, if, if either one of those teams has 10, then it is a sad division. And I think the uh, AFC North is probably one of the best in the, in the league. Yes. So, um, that, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. I mean, do you guys feel like uh, anybody, was left, anybody was left off of this list? Is the, is the left guard, is it Joel Batonio on that one? Oh, you know what? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, it is Kevin Zietler, Zeitler from the Cincinnati okay. Bengals. Because I thought it was Joel Batonio, and that's what was going to make me upset. But if it's if it's uh, that guy instead, I haven't paid attention enough to make an argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, the Bengals' uh, offensive line is is a team that I haven't paid a lot of attention to. Um, you know they they're they seem to be a team of uh you know pretty quiet guys obviously you got Andrew Whitworth on the right hand side uh he he's their you know big name guy but uh yeah sadly outside of that it's it's pretty much you know Marquise Pouncey yep. in the middle uh for the Steelers and then Joe Thomas on the left for Absolutely. the Cleveland Browns both of those Absolutely. make sense uh I, you know I, I can't say anything there uh, on either one of those guys but uh yeah, Zietler, Zeitler, uh, I can't even pronounce his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. So, you know, clearly I don't pay too much attention to the Bengals on uh, on their offensive line. But, uh, you know, it, I think this will be the year that uh, Kalecchio Semele will have a chance to put himself in that type of a role. Obviously, it's a contract year for him. Um, and, and he's, when healthy, has shown an ability to be a Pro Bowl type of player. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the year that uh, some more Ravens make it on the offensive side of the roster uh, at guard. Even uh, right tackle, Andrew Whitworth, probably isn't going to last too much longer, uh, you know, in, in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, I, I could see Ricky Wagner, who was one of the better right tackles uh, in football last year, making his name on there, too. So, you know, the, the Ravens could take over that uh, offensive line for the All-AFC North. Uncertain future, I think, left them off. This is, this is. Yeah, I, I, right now they have Heath Miller from the Pittsburgh Steelers on there. Um, you know, Miller, I think, is out of everybody that, that the AFC North has, Miller's probably the yep. most consistent guy right now. Um, obviously, he's, you know, a, a little bit in uh, the end of his career. Uh, you know, not, not completely there, but uh, he's not as young as he once was. Uh, if, you know, the Ravens have Crockett Gilmore, they have. Max Williams. They've got uh, even Nick Boyle that we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, you know, the Ravens got three guys that could very well find themselves on this list uh, pretty quickly if if any of them were to go ahead and pick up uh, this year, and especially with the Ravens being a, a two tight end set type of team. Uh, they like using their, wide, their uh, tight ends in mismatches. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, Dave Demischek, the writer of this uh, article, is a big-time Steelers fan. So. That's true. That's true. But you, you got to go ahead and hand him a little bit of credit. Uh, he he did not go ahead and put as many Steelers on this list as I would have expected. 
uh, you know, hearing that his name was the one that, that wrote it. Uh, the fact that, especially on defense, that the Ravens kind of yeah. own the defensive side of the ball is a little bit surprising for me. Mm-hmm. What, what about Steve Smith? I mean, obviously he's 36, but he is the uh, third wide receiver on the All-AFC North. Um, you know, clearly he, he had over 1,000 yards last season, and as Steve Smith said himself, you know, plenty of teams would like to draft a guy that can come in and, and put up 1,000 yards. But, you know, being 36, there's, there's that year where the next year is not going to be the same Steve mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, I think it's kind of ballsy putting Steve Smith up there when you've got, Martavis you know, Ryan, you've Marcus got a few guys. Exactly. Exactly. There, there's a bunch of guys, especially from the Steelers. Uh, they seem to be, uh, you know, the, the team in the, in the AFC North that can breed them now. Um, whereas it used to be linebackers. Now that's, that's the yeah. Ravens thing. But uh, yeah, Steve Smith being on there. That's, that's a little bit of a shock. Uh, de- defensively. Uh, Jimmy Smith, obviously, is the cornerback that's on there. That yep. makes sense. Jimmy Smith's one of the best in the league when healthy, obviously. Uh, and the Ravens rewarded him with a, a pretty big contract uh, this offseason. Four years, $48 million. That's, that, that shows where he is in the league. Um, you know, they have uh, Joe Hayden as the uh, second quarterback. Cornerback. Uh, again, that makes sense. Uh, it's, it's not all surprising. Hayden, again, is one of the best, uh, in the league. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of Ravens fans might be a little bit, uh, surprised that a guy like Lardarius Webb didn't make it on there, but with Webb's injuries, I, I can't be all that shocked about surprising it. Surprising was Will Hill. Yeah, um, yeah, Will Dave, Hill. Dave, uh, Dave Demetrius is... apologizes yeah. to... Four other safeties. He says, "Sorry, Tayshawn Gibson, Reggie Nelson, Matty, and Mike Mitchell." You know, I think I think Tayshawn Gibson should have been on that. You know, you you can make a case for a lot of the the guys up there. I mean, Matt Elam is not one that I would put on there um, based on his past performance, but you know, I mean, everybody up there is is a solid safety. Uh, Will Hill, obviously, when he was active last year after his suspension. Uh, put up an excellent game, or, uh, you know, an excellent season. So, uh, you know, I, I can't be all that surprised at that, but uh, with now talk about Elam and Hill kind of battling it out in camp for this spot, uh, it's got me a little bit excited about what Matt Elam's got going on because, you know, if, if you're good enough to make the AFC North team on, uh, you know, on your play uh, at safety – and and you're you know you have a discussion with about two guys possibly being there. That's that's a good thing. I was I was really excited. Uh, I, quick note: I was really excited that uh, Will Hill got it. I think Deshaun should have deserved it more. When I did hear it was Will Hill, I was, I was surprised, but also happy because Deshaun Gibson's actually from uh, Wyoming. He's from the University of Wyoming, which I went to school for, and I was pretty hyped that not only is he having a good career after. Uh, what we call a football program at the University of Wyoming, but I th- I think he I think he should have deserved the nod over Will Hill. No. Yeah, yeah, I I can certainly see that. I mean, he, keep in mind he only played uh, you know eleven games last year yeah. for the Browns, um, and, and and maybe even for that fact you know, he played for the Browns, uh, that probably isn't helping him out any. But he did have six interceptions on the year, and, and he had a forced fumble. He had a touchdown return. Uh, on interception. So, you know, he, he certainly, Gibson had a great year last year. So, you know, if you're, if you're comparing stats, 
Absolutely. I, I would have to say Gibson all over uh, Will Hill, but Will Hill did lock it down, and he was he was an intimidator in that back uh, back end of the secondary. So I don't know. It, it uh, I, I can kind of understand what you're talking about, Kyle, and the fact that uh, you know go Wyoming, <laughs> uh, like you said. The fact that the, that the man actually is able to do something after coming out of a football program, and again, I use finger quotes there and, and lay on the sarcasm, um, you know, like that, that, that is impressive. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's any shock, though, that uh, kicker and punter all go to Baltimore uh, with Justin Tucker and, and good old Sam Cook. Uh, you know, Tucker has been the best field goal kicker in the league, uh, bar none. And, uh, I mean, even the, the NFL.com article says that uh, NFL media analyst Brian Baldinger says that uh, Tucker might go down as the best place kicker yep, ever. He currently is, uh, yeah. Again, lofty praise, lofty praise there. But uh, he, he's certainly doing it, again, in a contract year, uh, much like uh, a few other players. It, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what Tucker is able to do this year. Um, he, he was booting... I mean, hell, he was booting 67-yard field goals at practice. So that That's is impressive. That's just silly how huge those are. I mean, I, I think the longest field goal I ever kicked is like 20 yards, and even that was like, woo, I kicked like a 20-yarder. I feel good about this. I need to go suit up. 67 yards is insane. I mean, for, for any casual fan that's just paying attention, keep in mind that where he's kicking the ball at is not midfield. Midfield would just be a 60-yard field goal because you got to you got to count the 10. He's kicking from the other side. The team hasn't even made it to midfield yet and the dude's able to put it through the uh through the uprights. That's that's from the 43. That is an impressive feat regardless of who you are. And actually I think at 67 yards, I think that would crush the all-time greatest yep. kick. Well, I, I think what the the top is sixty three. It's now so sixty four because Matt Prater hit it. Matt Prater was the one that broke the. That's record. true. That's true. So you know sixty seven in Baltimore. It's not like he's kicking it in in uh, you know Mile High Stadium where you got a little bit of a thinner atmosphere. It's able to go a little bit further. Uh, you know he's kicking it in Baltimore. That's something. <laughs> sixty seven yards. Obviously you, you got Sam Cook on there as well. Uh, 43.3 net punting average uh, is tops in the NFL last season. Uh, Cook has been phenomenal throughout his entire career, and there's been a little bit of discussion, uh, mostly among fans, about whether Cook would return this year. Uh, the guy's got a, a pretty big contract for a punter, um, and you know, especially with the offense that the Ravens have this year, it might not be uh, all that important for the Ravens to have such a strong-legged kicker uh, or punter, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Do you guys think that uh, Cook maybe doesn't stay around this year or at the end of this year? I hope he does. Uh, I really hope he does. Uh, he's I hope like he you said, he was tops in the NFL for a reason. I I, I think he yeah. does. I mean, we've given him great contracts so far. Ozzy's always treated him well, and besides his 2013 year, he did have a couple uh, snafus. I would say uh, he's he's been solid for for the Ravens, and I, I hope he comes back. Yeah, Cook's that guy that seems to always, you know, shank one punt for 20 yards out of bounds, and he hits some fan in the head. But uh, it, he does that like twice a year, but that seems to be 
generally not what happens. He's able to pin it down there at the 20 uh, and has been doing that for enough years to where the Ravens felt that he was worth the several million a year that they gave him. So uh, I, I hope you're right on that one, Kyle. I hope that they go ahead and are able to give him a contract that's fair to both parties and, uh, yeah, can go ahead and do something with him. The fact that they haven't re-signed him, though, has me a little bit worried on that. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we're going to turn a little bit to Twitter at this point because we're hitting our hour. Uh, we're actually at an hour and eight right now. But uh, we had a few Twitter questions uh, when announced that we were going to go ahead and do this. Uh, Gabe Abraham asked a few different ones. Uh, how does the secondary look? We, we talked a little bit about that, but uh, the secondary looks solid from what I've seen in camp so far. Um, the Ravens are working really, really hard at making those splash plays they didn't make last year uh, in the secondary. And that, that includes uh, your interceptions, your tipped passes, and your uh, fumbles. And, and they're doing a really good job of, of jumping routes, and they're doing a really good job of, of kind of grabbing the ball and trying to take it away from the uh, receiver. So, you know, they're, they're looking good. Obviously, all that hinges on health. If they can stay healthy this year, you know, I think they've got a top five secondary. Ladarius Webb thinks that they do as well. And, uh, you know, that that's good enough for me. Um, how is Tressman changing the offense? Some of the things that we've heard, uh, and, and you guys can do attest to this, is, you know, he's bringing his own wrinkles to it. But generally speaking, it seems like he's keeping it the same. Uh, he's not going to mix it up too much from what Gary Kubiak did because, hey, it worked. And if it works, you, you tend to not tweak it too much. But, uh, I mean, are, have you guys heard or seen anything else uh, about Trestman that might uh, give you an indication that he's going to do something unique? Um, I haven't heard anything other, other than what you've heard, which is he's trying to – he's sticking really, really well to our basic scheme that we produced last year with Gary Kubiak. And and yes, he is bringing in his own flavor to the mix, I would say. But yeah, he's keeping to the same scheme. Uh, personally, I bet we see more wide receiver screens because that's what he ran up with the Bears when he was head coach. I mean, he had the personnel for it, too, with a huge big body Brandon Marshall, big bodied Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, but other than that, I think he's going to be sticking really well to the scheme. Uh, it sounded like he had a big leash. Like uh, a short leash, excuse me, that they had him on from the start. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, certainly it, it, for Chicago, they didn't seem to be all that happy with him, and, and a lot of that goes back to the to the Jay Cutler debacle that that kind of happened and giving him a big contract and putting faith into him. That's that's why Tressman's really no longer there, if we're yeah. honest with ourselves. But uh, but yeah, I, going back to the wide receiver screens, that would not be surprising because the Ravens do have that same type of personnel. They've got a Kamar Aiken, they've got a Jeremy Butler, they've got a Marlon Brown. Um, in addition to having a guy like Michael Campanero, the, the quicker guy uh, that could go ahead and run underneath the uh, the wide receivers, go ahead and catch a ball and maybe have the big guys block for him. Uh, even Steve Smith, for that matter. It would be interesting to see what happens with that. And uh, yeah, I think we might actually see the Ravens' probably first successful uh, wide receiver screen in, in, in the 20-year history they've been around. Um, he Gabe Abraham also asked if there was any possible signings before or during training camp. We covered that a little bit earlier, but uh, you know, just to go back over it, we're kind of we all seem to be in a different uh, direction on that. But but nothing really comes out uh, as of right now, unless either a someone doesn't perform during training camp or there's an injury. 
uh, or a big name player that comes out that the Ravens just so happen to need. Um, I, I can't really see any any good signings other than just changing around some undrafted free agent type players double that uh, you know might make yeah exactly double dubs double, double dubs um, double dubs excuse me not double dubs. <laughs> um, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Uh, just to add to the Mark Chessman thing, I, I I believe we're going to see a lot of shotgun formation, a lot of shotgun formation from the tape that I was watching and uh, uh, put on YouTube. For our readership, um, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, up-tempo offense um, against the Bills' defense. Mark Tressman and I mean Jay Cutler led and uh, led the Bears on their opening possession uh, to a two-minute drill, and they they scored I think in less than two minutes and uh, against the Bills' defense last year. So, oh wow, volumes. You know, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like you're right on that one, uh, uh, Daniel. I, Joe Flacco seems to be more comfortable in the shotgun oh, at times. Sure. Um, you know, certainly against a team who's going to heavily pass rush you like a team like the Steelers. Uh, the Bills are going to be another one of those teams. Um, you know, We might even see it from the, from the Seahawks uh, this year as well. There's going to be teams that are going to do a heavy pass rush against the uh, Ravens. And the Ravens have a great offensive line, don't get me wrong, but when you have that type of stuff, having those extra few yards from a shotgun is great. So, so yeah, I, I can see the Ravens going ahead and, and actually using the shotgun pretty effectively, uh, or, or even maybe you know a pistol type of offense where you know it's in between being under sender and, and uh, shotgun. I could even see yeah, something like that. So, um, sorry, for we have. Oh yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Um, the Shredder guy, Kyle, on Twitter uh, asked a little bit about what the AFC North has done this offseason. You know, again, we talked a little about that. Uh, and he also asked, how did the rookies look during OTAs? The rookies were hit and miss, at least from what I had seen. Um, they, they were hit and miss. There were days where, again, Brashad Perryman just dropped a few balls. Uh, and there were days where, you know, he, he had a 60-yard touchdown, a streak down the field uh, where no one was coming close to touching him. Um Guys like Max Williams, he, again, he seems to be, obviously, at, at 21, I think uh, Williams is. He's, he's a super young guy. I think he's still trying to get used to the speed of the game. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't as uh, fantastic as, I guess, maybe players or as fans would like uh, initially. Exactly, explosive as, as fans would like. But then again, we haven't seen pads on any of these players either. So, you know, what we might see out of a guy like Jeremy Butler might disappear once pads go on, and what we've seen out of a guy like Max Williams might, might explode once pads go on. It, it might turn out that Max Williams is able to go ahead and drive a guy like Suggs back 10 yards. Who knows? Um, but as of right now, you know, nobody's been explosive. Uh, nobody's made a huge scene. Uh, but then again, it, it just goes to kind of show the depth that the uh, that the Ravens have right now, that a lot of these guys aren't seeing starting reps. They're they're seeing you know first team reps, but uh, you know they, they've got a long way to go to kind of make the uh, make the the roster in that regard and, and do something crazy. Um, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, questions on Twitter today. Obviously, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, be doing this weekly. This was again our first test episode, so you know, pardon with us on, on any uh, errors or any weirdness that might have occurred today. But um, you know, I think we had a really good podcast. I, I'm really happy with what everybody's going on today, and 
I'm really glad that we were able to get a few uh, questions out uh, on Twitter. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and do that a little earlier than we did uh, last time. But uh, other than that, uh, do either one of you guys have any things that uh, you want to touch upon? I could go uh, with uh, with what Gabe asked about uh, how's the secondary look. And I'll, I'll be bold mm-hmm. enough to say I think we, we pull up top five if we stay healthy. Jimmy Smith will lock down his same side like he did last year, and he – he blanketed whoever he was around. Kyle Arrington dominates the slot. He is insanely good at slot corner. And if he get, if we're healthy enough to just keep him in the slot, we'll look great. And if Lardarius Webb continues to progress through his two ACL injuries and plays even as good as he did last year, and only making him guard number two receivers instead of big body, huge uh, number one receivers against other teams. And uh, having Melvin even uh, fight for uh, nickel or dime packages, I think will look great. Will Hill over the top has been phenomenal. And we've nothing, we've been, heard, we've been hearing nothing but praise from Dean Pease over Matt Elam. He's having a great camp. Phenomenal. He's communicating. He's playing well. He's showed up healthier and skinnier and ready to produce i think we'll have a great secondary yeah actually uh uh going uh piggybacking on what you said on on elam uh i don't feel like we covered him enough in, in this episode and i'm sure we'll do a little bit more in the next one but uh we certainly have on baltimore beatdown but um yeah you know, matt elam has looked phenomenal uh obviously the big thing against matt elam has been you know, can he tackle? That was his issue last year. Um, and, and one thing that I've noticed while being out there is that he is putting himself in the right position. And, and what I mean by that is he's not reading and then trying to think about what to do and then reacting, which is kind of putting him at a weird angle to go ahead and make the tackle. He's finding himself in front of the ball carrier uh, and, and being able to square up. Doing that is all the difference uh, for a football player. Um, you know, Matt Elam might not be the best tackler in the world, and, and certainly even when he was in college, he was not a guy to wrap up. He was a guy to go ahead and put a shoulder into your face mask and make you pay. But, um, you know, I, I think he's making the right moves this off season to do that. And you mentioned, Kyle, that uh, he, he's lighter. He seems to be healthier. He, he seems to have gotten the game now mentally. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, if he continued the progress that he has, I I completely agree with you. A top five secondary is is not out of the question. How about you, Daniel? Anything you want to cover that maybe we didn't today? Uh, No, not really. Not much. Uh, Besides, the Shredder guy went to answer your question about the rookies. Just relax. (laughs) That's that's what I'm going to say. I've been saying that all all last year. Just relax. It's it's good that we're not hearing, you know, uh, the rookies making a huge splash right now. We want them to be you know, secret agents, like ninjas later in the season. That's that's true. I like the element of surprise. Let's keep it at that. Well, that and, you know, if if rookies are making a big splash, it's because they're beating out whoever's in front of them. And, uh, you know, if you're Max Williams, that means (laughs) that, uh, you know, a guy like Crockett Gilmore isn't doing as well or, or, you know, Nick Boyle isn't doing as well. Uh, Now, obviously, you want everyone to be, you know, all pros, you wish you have, you know, 22 all pros every year, but uh yeah, I, I certainly I, we all need to slow our roll a little bit on what to expect out of the uh rookies this year. Um there's a chance that none of them start and that's that's all right. So, 
we'll we'll figure it out once pads go on and we'll uh, get a little bit more back to it. So, all right, guys. Well, I, I'm I'm happy with uh, what we've done today, and we're at an hour nineteen. So, uh, here's the official sign off. Uh, thanks for listening to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. Uh, we'll see you next.